I was 19 when I started roofing sales. And, and from that day on, it was just like roses, right? Like you, you just took off and your yeah. life has been a bed of roses ever yeah. since, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Everything has been perfect. Exactly how I planned it from the beginning. Exactly. <laughs> or actually my parents planned it right in kindergarten. I was going to go to Harvard. Right. Oh, wait, none of that happened. Oh my gosh. Oh shoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. So excited to have you, Bob and Brandon, here today. Uh, actually, Bob, under the same roof. Woo-hoo. I know. We're actually in the same house and in separate rooms because we fight not really we can't no Um, we can't get yeah they won't let us in the same room right right it's very limited you know view time so we are hanging out here in the corporate office of feed stories yes the uh, worldwide headquarters worldwide galactic headquarters yes galactic headquarters we're here together um i've been road tripping for the last couple weeks uh from Colorado, I, we have a, a remote cabin in northern Wisconsin that we talked about, I think, before, where it's nothing but an outhouse and 10 steps right. from Lake Superior. And and uh, Bob, that was an amazing trip, swimming in 60-degree water, and we ate a lot of food, my sons and I, and enjoyed some guy time. I thought about you here and there because we have this thing <laughs> that we put out for the ladies, which is a sun shower. You fill this kind of plastic bladder full of water. And you let it sit in the sun for a couple hours and then you go hang it in a tree and you can take a warmer shower with it. Oh. Of course, I know, I know. And I thought of you, I thought, you know, Bob would might visit if, if I filled this for him. So if, if only, if only you had a sun toilet that was connected <laughs> to the house, a sun potty, you know what, <laughs> you know what, here's what's funny. So years ago we researched incinerator toilets. It's a thing. Oh it's a yeah. Th- yeah, it's 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 you you put propane against because we we have propane up there. Okay, you know so it's you know refrigerators and, and stove, but you know how do how do we do a toilet? You know, and they have these and things are incinerator toilets, so you can actually hook propane up to it and you can do your business and you can hit a switch and it will incinerate your shit literally to ash. You know, and you can you can just toss it in. Oh, that's a product I could get behind. I get behind. I that was great. <laughs> that was great, Bob. It was really really good. So yeah, we actually have a can on our shelf up there at the cabin for the it's the incinerator incinerator toilet fund. There's only like two dollars in there. We haven't touched it in ten years, but anyway. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, for you, you Bob, know, we'll work you can that. have Northern Wisconsin and all its okay. amenities or lack thereof. Yeah. And. uh I I instead went to Milwaukee, which is also Wisconsin, and stayed in a. I, I slummed it. We stayed at the hotel closest to the airport rather than staying downtown. So we we kind of slummed it too, and then uh, we played six rounds of golf, my wife and I. So that's a slum it. Is that like a three star for you? What's a what's that? Yeah, for? it's it's a three star. Oh god. Um, you know. And it was close to the airport, so that okay. you know, we 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 definitely were slumming it. We slumming, we did, yeah. We did not do the downtown opulence 
that, right. that, that, you know, we would normally do. So you're accustomed we to like, so, so you didn't get your, like your 600 count Egyptian silk thread count that you usually do. You got like, no, your... actually the bed was nearly inverted. So like, <laughs> I really can't sleep because of like, I'm 50 plus years old with a hiatal hernia. Like if oh, my God. feet are higher than my head, like I'm like <clears throat> choking at night. So yeah. So I, w I, I had a rough, it was, it was, it was a rough thing. So Hey, um, I don't even know what to do with this. That. Is a terrible transition, but I know, I know. <laughs> but, We're just gonna go with it. But our guest today, you're you're gonna quickly understand that Mark is a good friend of ours. Yeah. But literally, when you think of innovative founders, I think Mark is probably on the cover. Certainly innovative in his own mind, and he runs yeah. a company called Roof Simple. And we delve into what that really means. And Mark is, I, I, I say this to him on the interview, he's a Renaissance man. Nobody I, I know, other than maybe my cousin who has a, 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 like a wine cellar, nobody else knows as much about wines as Mark. Yeah. But he's all, he can also, when he, so Mark and I have wine, and then you and Mark drink PBRs. PBR, yeah. Right? Yeah, so, so we're not there. Yeah, he, you, you, he can slum it with you as well. Exactly. I'm exactly. I'm the slumming friend. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, we, we found a, when I visited, so, so I worked with Mark a couple of years ago and where we filmed all of the story around Roof Simple and created lots of videos, content for him to promote his business. And I got to see firsthand of kind of the philosophy that he talks about. And it was just refreshing to hear. And I got a lot of stories around, you know, the, the challenges of the industry. And, and he is certainly, Re remaking the roofing industry by by his approach but yeah we, afterwards we went out for we, we found this this dive bar i don't know where we were in the <laughs> middle of somewhere but it was pbrs and a fish basket and good conversation and cigarette smoke everywhere it was like yeah that's yeah what I'm talking so then, about these so are my people but see when i went to visit mark to do the yeah. first story day yeah, we, we stayed at an old plantation and drank some exotic wine. So we had yeah. none of that. I had a very different experience from you. Well, <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly. So, but I guess um, he adjusted his approach for his audience because uh, like, oh, Brandon's here. We don't yeah. we don't need to do anything. Yeah, Brand Brandon, we can stay Brandon, by the airport. You yeah, know? Br Brandon, my mattress. He's, he's used to an outhouse. So we yeah, he's used to. Yeah, there. that guy. We yeah. can save some money and get some PBRs and some fried fish. So <laughs> he'll be happy. So Mark, I, you're going to enjoy this conversation again. He's he's the co-founder of Roo Simple. Um, him and his business partner started this company in uh, 2015, I think. Yes, something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, resides their their companies in uh, Northern Virginia, the Front Royal area. Uh, he's in love with his wife. Clearly. Uh, because they currently have seven children, and I believe, and counting. And counting. That guy needs more hobbies. But Mark's got a great company culture. He's got a great story. It's not all wine and roses. Um, lots of twists and turns in his journey, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to him today. So without further ado, we'd like to introduce you to our friend, Mr. Mark McShirley. And with that, we are here with our good friend, Mr. Mark McShirley, the man from the East. How are you, Mark? Good. How are you guys? Good. Always a pleasure. Good. good. How, good how are things you, in Front Royal? 
these days? Uh, pretty good. Just had a storm on my own house, so I'm excited about Ooh. that. Um, and you're gonna we're gonna learn pretty quickly why storms yeah. excite you so much. Yes, <laughs> yes. Mark Maybe is a storm chaser. There's ambulance chasers, then there's storm chasers. We have Mark. You're welcome. Yeah. Except. Except they don't chase storms. They chase the aftermath of storms. Right, right, right. right. They're they're right in there. So, (laughs) well, Mark, Mark, as as you know, as we said in the intro, runs a company called Roof Simple, which is just a really unique name. And we'll probably get into like how you named your company and things like that. But Brandon always has a a question to lead off. And uh, I'm going to give him the floor. Well, thank you. So really what I, what I like to start, Mark, is what is going on right now? What are you working on? What projects that are getting you excited? That what, What's what's happening right now? It could be business, could be home. I know that you're a remodeler like crazy there with your house, but what's what's going on? What are you working on right now that's, that's you're excited about? Yeah, I guess two main things. One is I am working on that talk that I have upcoming with Perry. And because it's the topic is going to be don't compete. And so I have a lot of thoughts about that. I've been thinking about that. It's kind of becoming the roof simple way, I think. I mean, I obviously mean it in a specific way. So that's exciting. It's just kind of reflecting on the past seven years and and picking out the mistakes and the successes. And then on the personal side, oh, and that's also part, part of that on the business side is that part of that philosophy and the principles that I'm thinking about have are part of what has helped change our sales culture. So that's really something that's exciting to me. And then on the personal side, yes, remodeling, remodeling, remodeling. I'm building a cottage for my uncle on the same property right next door, as well as continuing to finish renovate my house. So yeah, that's been fun. And you've got at this point, what, like 32 children? Is that, is that the latest? <clears throat> 37, no. 37 um, yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it right, Brandon. No, I feel like so... I want to send a care package to your wife. Like, here, you should, you should. Here's, Why here's, haven't you? Here's booze. <laughs> you know yeah. that I'm always having these children. You never send a package. God, so you yeah, never, like... ever. <laughs> yeah, seven kids, seven kids. The youngest is whatever, born last October. Exactly, last you don't October even know his first, name. Whatever that that's is. What I'm talking about it's you don't boy. even know the name yeah he's under under somewhere. pressure you're you know no <laughs> that one over there yeah give me some more wine exactly. mark loves wine for our audience so we're gonna get into that a little bit later too. i do he's a connoisseur sometimes he's a little snobby when i'm around because i'm kind of a panda and lumbering around i'll drink it out of a box hey we we, so, we drank paps together we drink so, paps. yeah i enjoyed yeah, that yeah, sorry, you, you right, drink yeah. pbr so came yeah. down to my level thank you yeah, even even welcome. a renaissance man will We'll stoop down and, and drink with the commoners once in a Lots while. Of st- <laughs> with condescension, obviously. So. Right. Right. So you take the P- you take the PBR, you kind of you put it in your mouth, you swish it around, you gargle it, yeah. you sniff yeah. the can, you spit it out, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yep. this is this is a high quality product. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And that that's why we met like what two hours away in this little tiny little town that nobody knew where we were. So you wouldn't exactly. be seen drinking PBR with me. Exactly. Keep would you, ex- would you expand a little bit on your presentation? You're doing a par- presentation for Perry Marshall, one of our guests from before coming up here soon. Tell us about that. Cause I, you know, I'm here at Bob's at his house and he's got the, uh, one of the kind of concepts you came up with on your identifying your ideal customer up on his wall. Mm-hmm. And it's something I remember <laughs> as well as a very powerful you know, yeah. you, you've got some great stuff that comes out of your head. Give us a little bit about what we can expect at your talk. Like you're, you're not competing. No. Yeah. So obviously the final form will probably take shape like the week before, but the gist of the thinking is that basically aiming to compete is lunacy. 
So competition happens naturally, right? So like there will be always be competition in the world, but I believe, well, I believe in people. So I think each of us have a unique calling and a unique place in the world. And anybody who's been paying attention has seen that contrary to the doomsday of the 1970s, assuming this whole, we're all going to be starving by the year 2000 or even earlier on the contrary, life on many aspects has gotten dramatically better. There's more people have you know, come out of poverty in the last 20 years than the entire history of the world. It's not all roses, but there's a lot of the individual burden of survival has been reduced is what, how I say it. The more people that are on the planet. So humans are not additive where they're multiplicative. So, you know, the more people there are and the more human creativity, I think the more awesome things we can do. You know, we thought we would have already outgrown our planet right now. We haven't yet. Obviously, we need to be responsible toward it, but that's why we're creative. So anyways, getting down to business, you know, Rene Girard, who is a philosopher at Stanford, historian, philosopher, whatever at Stanford, he had this idea of thick desire. And what all that means is just that we model our desires on what other people desire. It's basically we mimic each other. You know, so if everybody wants, you know, a McMansion and a Ferrari, then then we all start wanting a McMansion and a Ferrari. So how I view it is like in business, what really adds value to the marketplace is when we all pursue, instead of trying to pursue what somebody else has, which is essentially just envy at the end of the day, mm. pursuing, contributing something new. And, and it's not going to be radically new. I mean, I'm in roofing. There's nothing more like typical and, you know, competitive, if you will, than roofing, but the way we're doing it's different. And so we don't, our whole sales culture is different. So we don't compete directly. I mean, there is a sense in which we compete, but basically I'm always trying to play the, it, basically if, if you want to play the game so that you're the only one playing it. So you want to keep changing the rules until you're the only one playing. And again, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be some competition, but I think that's what adds variety to the world. So that's kind of what's going to be getting down to. Let's just remind the listeners for a minute. Mark owns a roofing company. So have you ever had it? So even in the first few minutes here, Mark, like you are unlike any other roofing company owner (laughs) that we know and you probably know. Yeah. So when 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 I first met you, we met in a mastermind meeting and and I was describing you to my wife. I said, well, he's kind of like this Renaissance man. He's a philosopher. And, and like, you have really good, deep conversations, but you laugh a lot. So the interesting thing to me was, I didn't know this until our producer did a kind of like a lot of homework, Mark, I didn't know you were a high school and college dropout and you sucked at philosophy when you took it in college. Like, what's the deal? (laughs) I'm going to correct you you on one thing. I'm going to correct you on one thing. Why do we have him on? Wait a second. Yeah, talk about the not the right resume, right? <laughs> this must be like a terrible podcast where you have loser dropouts on. Yeah, okay. Yes, I am a high school and college dropout. To be fair, I was homeschooled. I took the SAT in 11th grade and I just stopped school after that. I got a good enough score to get into college. Nice. Uh, oh, that's good. Okay. And then, that, that's believable. Yeah. I believe and then, that. And then college, I actually did really well in philosophy. My favorite failure was I got an A in my... F- second, first semester, six, I went for a year and a half. So my 
yeah, 201, basically second, first semester, second year, I got an A in the philosophy class, but I failed because I, I missed too many classes. So they had, there's an automatic failure when you miss <laughs> okay. 12 plus classes. It was an 830 in the morning, guys. And I had a yeah. lot to do in the evenings that Dude. Just kind of went into the mornings most days. So I can relate. <laughs> I could totally relate. Yeah. And then I was working. So, I mean, I had st in at the end of high school, I had started a deck staining and pressure washing business. And then ended up getting recruited by a guy who had a roofing company. So I was already working during school and it was very distracting. It started to do decently. I mean, you know, for at the like, time, I felt like I was. How old were you like 17, 18 when that all started? So the deck staining company, yeah, I was 17 when I started that. I was 19 when I started roofing sales. And, and. From that day on, it was just like roses, right? Like you, you just took off and your yeah. life has been a bed of roses ever yeah. since, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything has been perfect. Exactly how I planned it from the beginning. Exactly. Or actually, my parents planned it right in kindergarten. I was going to go to Harvard. Right. Wait, none of that happened. Oh, my gosh. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Sorry. My so, parents weren't that type, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I would like for you, if you'd be comfortable kind of talking about I, I, I know we, I know we had kind of the pandemic. We want to talk about that, mm -hmm. but you, you had a point years ago when you were running the business where you actually like moved back in with your parents. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I know that was kind of a humbling part of your story. Yeah. So we started the business in 2015. So that was our first full year it was January, 2015. And then the first full year, we weren't doing storm work yet. My business partner, Marty, was actually the one who brought that to the company. Thank God. And so, yeah, it was really small. Like we did, I don't know, maybe 30 roofs. We probably do almost 30 roofs or more a week now, but we did that mm. all year. So savings were draining. I was renting a house that I, it wasn't even an expensive rental, but I was starting to be unable to afford it. I had a fourth kid on the way, which we had in January, 2016. And three weeks later, so in February, beginning of February, we moved to actually my in-laws basement in Minnesota. So mm. a thousand miles away from my roofing company in Virginia. At that point, I was like broke. Yeah, completely broke in debt and really depressed, anxious, I'm feeling very sorry for myself. And so for that first year in Minnesota, so for 2016, you know, I like had my first panic attacks. Like I'd never really experienced like, you know, what most people who have anxiety might experience. I'd never right. really experienced that before. It scares so, the hell out of you, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. super anxious, depressed, all those things. And then, and I had to get another job. Like we didn't even know if, I mean, Marty and I kept talking. We did a couple jobs here and there during that time, but it was really rough. Got another job. Actually, I'm, I'm Catholic by, by faith and I got a job. It's actually uh, other than the fact that I was broke and wanting to have my own business, it was actually not a bad job. It was a nice company. We did the, the, on the back of the bulletins in a Catholic church is usually like ads from local businesses. So I was selling those <laughs> ads. So I was traveling around Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, South Dakota, usually the rural places and selling ads on the back of different churches bulletins. That was really rough because there's a lot of travel and yeah. being anxious and depressed. And then with a wife and four kids back with a wife and four kids, luckily, I mean, the saving thing. So just to be fair, like, yes, I was in my in-laws basement, but they live on a 52 acre farm in Minnesota. It's very pretty south of the city. So it has kind of rolling hills. They have a vineyard. I love wine. So I was able to, you know, drink yeah, wine. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then it was good because my wife was there with 
her parents and siblings and stuff. So, I mean, the really the there was so really the part of part of this whole story is that it was really just because my head was up my effing ass that that it was really a bad time that first year. Because then, so then on my 30th birthday, October 10th, 2016, that was my 30th birthday at 9 a.m. I had my first appointment with that I'd ever had with a, you know, a counselor or whatever, what do you call him? Psychologist for anxiety. And I worked with him weekly for four months and made rapid progress. But a lot of it was just well, obviously it was the whole, you know, not being able to support my family, just going down that sort of like, I'm worthless, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of it was just because I had tied my ego to the business and mm. it was going nowhere. And, you know, at that, at that moment, and then fall 2016, Marty got us some contracts with other roofers to subcontract. Ironically, that's what we like, cause we had some yeah. crews that we were tight with. So that actually got, a, got us busy enough for me to quit my job. We were able to then 2017 hire for salespeople and we were off to the races. But what was interesting is 2017 and part of 2018, we were still in Minnesota, still living in my in-laws basement, finally making a little bit of money and paying back debt and, you know, not being broke. But it was really interesting how in the same set of circumstances, it was, we had a wonderful second year there. It was really idyllic. It was great. We were with her right. family, which luckily I get along with them. That could have been much worse. <laughs> um, yeah. They're great people. So yeah, I mean, I think the big lesson for me was, well, uh, it's a very typical entrepreneur story. First of all, I think yes. most entrepreneurs have been <laughs> through something like that or worse. You know, I didn't get divorced. I didn't have to do bankruptcy. I was totally broke, but more like break even with a little debt broke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, could have been way worse. Obviously my in-laws are great people. I wasn't living with people I hated, you know? So really a lot of it, I think comes back to, you know, viewing life and business as more of an adventure and remembering that sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down and not tying your ego. So hopefully I won't have to go through that ever again, but if I do, my hope is that maybe I'll have learned from the past and not be so doomsday and Realize I, I, could get out I would say actually. easier said than done, right? Tying mm -hmm. ego performance. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a gender thing or, but like, you know, males, at least the, the ones I know we're competitive and we want to do good. And you kind of want to feel like when you have a family, like, Hey, I'm there to support them. And I mean, I was there with you too, Mark, like, you know, my co-host, like my friend, I fired him because I couldn't pay him. Like Brandon went through it with me and yeah. Brandon went through it. Like we went through shit together and I, yeah, I, I had the panic attacks and the anxiety. It was like crap. Like I, I failed my family. I failed my friends. Like that's a really like you're not only you're going through tough times, you're actually like throwing more arrows at yourself, right? Yeah. You're like, it's yeah. almost like you're self-inflicting wounds. Like, oh, here's, here's where else I failed. Here's where else I failed. So it, it was really hard for me. And in some cases, still hard for me to separate my performance from, right? Like my mm -hmm. value. And I, yeah. I, I think that's a problem for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, yeah. And also to be clear, I'm not saying I've like successfully done that. <laughs> it's all I know is that I'm aware of it. And I think that yeah. helps. That's, that's progress. Yeah, it's more about progress than perfection because we're all on the road. But the most important thing, like as we say in the faith, the most important thing is to be faithful and not to be, not that you're perfect. Mm. So, yeah. Mark, would you say that was, that was, it sounded like that was a pretty significant real, realization for you this idea around, you know, not tying your ego, not tying who your identity to failure. Was that 
any other big lessons learned during that time? Any other yeah, actually, shifts that happened for you? Another interesting lesson. So you guys would get this reference knowing Perry. So I had been following Perry for a while before this. Just I had never joined a group until Roof Simple was more successful. But I had read like Richard Koch, like the, the star principle. And so that I was trying to found this new business, Roof Simple, on some of these ideas and these strategies and and the whole 80-20 way of thinking and and all this. And in the previous job, I had ended up as general manager for this other family roofing company and and great people, by the way, too. Actually, my younger brother last year married their oldest daughter. So just total incest in the industry. It's great. But I would say one of the very interesting things was sticking to, there's a huge temptation when you're down to take massive action and just feel like you just, you just want to like flail around and like distract yourself with busyness to be like, I'm making progress. And I actually would say that in a weird way, I think I did a good job, like a little bit of a pat on the back was to realize, I think I did a good job, not just flailing around trying to do anything and everything, but trying to maintain a certain standard. Like I I want this to succeed. I want it to succeed this way, but I will say, and I think this is part of the whole anxiety and the anxiety piece is that not taking massive action also makes you anxious. And so in your head, you're, Mm -hmm. you're going, you're like, am I just being lazy or do I, you know, like, at least I did get a, like, I did get a second job. I feel like people who won't, you know, work wherever they need to work to, you know, put bread on the table for their family. I think that's a problem, but, but still not try not, not letting in a weird way. I felt like it was better to get a second job and this is going to vary. I don't want to like mislead anybody or they go off right. the wrong path because of this, but I feel like in my specific case, it was better that I got a second job that was a little more mindless, if you will. Like I just showed up and did what I was supposed to do. And it was, you know, just enough money to, you know, put bread on the table and at the same time, hold out if you will, for Roof Simple and not, I don't know. I feel like if I had just stayed, like we would never have started hiring people. And in fact, it's like baked into our DNA now that for both Marty and I, like some founders have the problem of like, how do you ever delegate and, you know, get yourself out of the way so your people can rise up and all this sort of stuff. So we have plenty of other problems, but we don't have that problem because there's sort of in our DNA. Like, so my, my business part, partner, Marty was working for his dad the whole time with his dad's construction company. So they remodel, build houses, things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I was a thousand miles away with my in-laws. So like it had to work with other people and Mm -hmm. that's actually been baked into our DNA. And I'm, I'm definitely proud of that, but I think it was, it was, it was holding out and it made me anxious, but, but, and you second guess yourself all the time. Like, am I doing enough? Like, you know, should I just be out there knocking every door I can, or should I be really setting something Mm -hmm. up that can, succeed so yeah it's interesting so i i like where you're going with it because definitely have some times where it's like things aren't working what do i need to do and there's there can be shame around oh i gotta go get a a menial mindless job somewhere and there's no shame in that number one and then the other part of what i like is there's also this habit like all of i think most of us as entrepreneurs we're we're resourceful so we're like well i'm gonna go figure something out and do it myself because it's cheaper Mm -hmm. enough to hire. And you were forced in a situation where you couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. It worked is like, no, 
I, I, my, my time, my, my gift is more valuable being thinking through this and figuring out the mechanics and then letting the other do the manual. I think it's an important, I mean, that's, you probably came up with a lot of, you were in a situation where you had to do that. So that's impressive to me. And you also proved the concept of, Hey, it works. No, you don't have to necessarily go back and fire all your staff and do all the work yourself. You can actually build, rebuild, you know, based on your knowledge of the systems and creating the systems that other can implement. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I do think that's one, looking back, that's one thing that really was important for the business. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show today. We love working with Mark McShirley. He's just extremely thoughtful in how he is reinventing the roofing space. We've had the opportunity to work with Mark over the years doing promotional video and filming him and his processes and how he gets roofing done. And I have to say, being under the hood a little bit with his company, he really is walking the talk uh, from this podcast. So if you're someone or you know someone who's in need of a roof and need it done to the specifications that's to make sure they're covered by their insurance company, Roof Simple is the company to check out. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Let's let's get to the name. So Roof Simple, interesting name you, you put simple in the title so what led to the name and and talk a little bit about kind of like what what drove you to to start this company and 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 what ways is this different than maybe other roofing or construction companies that you've you've come across or people have come across yeah so some of it like i said was just re, like i've obviously read a lot of advertising branding you know investing like Richard Koch strategy type stuff. And honestly, that's from the, the chapter in Richard Koch's book, Seven Steps to Heaven for your for your star business or whatever. And I don't, that's a whole different interesting topic because I'm not sure we're actually a star business. We're a nice business, but I don't know if we're a star. But anyways, part of the idea was that you wanted to name the company something short and something that sort of implied a promise to your target market. And another key thing, actually, a key consideration from the very beginning was that that domain, that root domain was available. So it's root from the very beginning. It was roofsimple.com, not LLC or blah, 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 because I was very conscious from the beginning about having a brand. And what I mean by a brand, which I think most other branding people would mean is just simply that I'm trying to tie positive feelings to my sim, to the name and you know, seeing it and things like that and making it memorable basically. So yeah, that's been very important from the beginning. I mean, has, has your, have you had personal experience where you, you were in the roofing industry where you said, wow, this is way too complicated or this is too convoluted. Like why roofing and, and why, why that direction? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was more talking about the branding aspects. Of, no, yeah, that's that. great. The, no, the real, you, you answered that. Yeah. The real, so the idea behind the simple part was basically what's simple, like the real, like what we mean by it internally is that there's no BS. So like everything's simpler when you can trust people, when people tell the truth. And so that's a big thing to live up to, but I, I think we, we do at least attempt that every day. And so like, even like the management style we have, which there's, you know, I'm definitely not the best manager. Fortunately, we've got some good managers in the company, but, but managing more through trust. So trust is efficient. Trust is simple. Like, like if we all just 
told the truth and did what we said we were going to do, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Or especially for customers. Right. So like if something goes wrong, it's simple. We just make it right. Like we say, sorry, we fix it. Like this is not, and I think that's actually one of the things that really hit home to me. So I general managed a company and it was a family run company and smaller than mine is now. And luckily he was a really great, honest guy and everything, but there's also still, there was still, I felt like, you know, you're always still worried about like, well, you know, so something goes wrong, but now you're like, ah, now I'm not going to make any money on this job and things like that. So really it was just to take it a step further and say, like, no, if something's wrong, then we make it right. So was roofing just something you knew? I mean, a lot of people say, well, I I started this company because like I saw how dishonest the roofing industry was Mm -hmm. and I set out or did you just take a philosophy, personal philosophy that you kind of develop and said, I'm going to apply it to roofing with like what what was the driving force? I, I like the way you just articulated that, Bob. Yeah, no, I think that's that's basically it. So I was in roofing. I've been in roofing for nine years. I knew roofing. I like I said, I don't have a college degree or even a GED. So I'm basically <laughs> unemployable or at least at the income I would need or was making at the other roofing company. And so, yeah, so basically I was just in a spot where I had to, you know, it's sort of your, your, there's the pressure because you're forced to in a certain way. Sure. And so then I wanted it to, okay, well, if I'm going to do a roofing company, then I don't want it to just be like every other roofing company. And here's the things that I feel like could be done better or different. Yeah. And again, going back to don't compete, I, I didn't have the clarity that I have on that now, but I've always had this feeling that we really need to to not be the same. Let me give you a a little weird example. So our yard signs, you know, you know, there's always a yard sign, you know, when some contractor works on a house, right? Sure. Especially with the storm restoration industry. So most storm restoration signs, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, Titan roofing LLC, you know, we do, you know, roofing siding windows, gutters, blah, 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 you know, getting free storm damage inspection, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It's like just covered. Okay. And a phone number and, you know, a web address and all that sort of stuff. Our yard sign is just this charcoal, like it's like a off black is like our color with our, our white logo that just says roof simple on it. And there's no web address, there's no phone number, there's no, we do this, that, or the other thing. And guess what? Everybody remembers it. And one of the things on our Google Analytics that's super interesting is we get hundreds, we might even have hit over a thousand a month now searches directly on our name. Hmm. And actually that's helped our SEO because that's a signal Google in the past two years has started paying attention to where it's like offline credibility increases your online SEO. So yeah, I mean, we have, here's another example. We have a billboard, just this cheap one on one side of this town here out in the Valley. And it's just big charcoal sign. And it just says, Hey there, we do roofs, love roof simple. And that's it. It's under eight words, which is what you want on a, on a billboard. Super simple. Everybody remembers it. We actually get tons of business from it. It's 500 bucks a month. (laughs) So So it's just trying to make all these things. So that's literally like our slogan is we do roofs, which isn't even perfect English, but it's sort of like, it's just this very, you know, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, it is, you know, insurance can be complicated, all these sort of things, but, but if you're just honest and do what you say you're going to do and, you know, imagine that 
it's simple yeah it's it's kind <laughs> of baffling from in a way but but it's not so you're you're literally doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing yep not, not, not only in your industry <laughs> but in advertising itself yeah like you imagine yeah. turning in an assignment in college well you you, you know you dropped out oh, right but like he you can't imagine would, that bob would have failed he, he marketing can't. if you turned in an assignment where you just put a put your name on a, on a yard sign but yet yep. It's the thing that actually gets you the most business. I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Same with our trucks and vans. Like everything is just real simple. Now yeah. that's powerful. Your branding is powerful because when people Google roof simple, they go there and they're astonished at what they see. So talk a little bit about your strategy for basically letting others carry your weight. Well, what do you mean? Like, like the reviews. reviews. Yeah. yeah. So Actually, here's an interesting thing. So reviews were really important up until probably, honestly, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago, maybe, maybe more like within the past year and a half. And the reason is, is that two, two, two main things. So yeah, our reviews are really good. I think right now it's a 4.9 and like 300 and something. 4.9 people, 4.9. It's a 5.0 scale. Mark's roofing company, a roofing company has a 4.9 plus rating. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it takes, it definitely takes work to keep it that way. Our Yelp rating is terrible, by the way, because I think we have three reviews <laughs> and one of them is, is a scathing review, which is really interesting. So Yelp is interesting to me because they attract people who like bashing people. Yes. 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 I've heard it's that. Super, it's super interesting. I, my nine years at the other roofing company, they had the exact same like situation where like somebody wrote a terrible review because they didn't like how somebody drove in the car, like, <laughs> the car truck in front of them, which yeah. like fair enough. It's it annoying when people yeah. drive badly, but yeah, no. So I don't even, I mean, honestly, I mean, people tell me I should probably care about Yelp, but I don't really care about Yelp. But uh, you, you have a stellar reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Stellar. Well, we, we invested. I mean, one of the secrets, so this was a change actually that came from working with Perry that I'd kind of thought through was I was inspired by a lot of what, what I had been thinking about. And that is, so we have a project manager on each job. It's a W2 roof, simple employee, but one per job. So all the best companies have always done, you know, they have a quality control department. If you don't have a quality control department, then yeah, you're not even up in that upper top 5% range. But there's plenty of companies in that top, you know, like I would say the top 5% of roofing companies, definitely maybe in the top 10, they have like quality control and things like that. And those people are running around usually between, I don't know, three to five jobs every day, you know, trying to put out fires and whatever. But we felt like that wasn't good enough. And so we have one person per day per job. And that's really paid off because I don't think we could be at I don't think we could have had this growth and still maintain that reputation without doing that. Now, here's where I'll say we've less emphasized the reviews. We still want them and they, they keep coming right. in. But the a couple of things. One is once you start passing that 300 mark, you can start looking like a behemoth company. And mm -hmm. we definitely work in sort of these outer, like ex-urban areas. And I think having, you know, 300 super impressive with that, with that 4.9, but it's also not like, you know, 1500 or 2000 or 3000 where it's like, okay, this is like some huge, huge company. And that actually gets us, there's actually pros to that for certain 
like certain demographics like the exurbs because then they think you're from the city basically and we're not we're from here in in the valley shenandoah valley just to be clear for those who don't and we we service northern virginia and the suburbs for sure but our main focus is is the outer area but anyways so there's that but the other thing that started happening was there's also the the ever you know present practice of like paying paying customers to give five-star reviews and all that so there's lots of ways to cheat the system. So like we definitely saw reviews starting to get kind of diluted in our industry where it's okay. like, I know that company has so many problems. Cause I know like firsthand, like personally, and I'm like that, that review, those reviews don't really reflect that. But then sure enough, I mean, whatever, there's obviously lots of gossip in every industry and everybody is every into everybody else's business. So, well, no, we you know the, what's up. <laughs> these are authentic reviews, by the way. And you, yes. you pay, you you invest. That's the, that's a better term. You invest a lot in customer satisfaction. Can you give us a couple of examples of some just extravagant things you've done to make things right for a customer? Mm. Well, giving back all the money from a job. Wow. Re re roofed an entire roof because we put on the wrong color by accident. The wrong color got delivered. Okay. Wow. We're gonna start sounding like a bad roofing company, guys. No, no not at I'm, all. I'm, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> like, holy, were... like seriously, Mark. Holy crap. Yeah, no, we've always gone. We've always gone all the way. Another, actually, a, a fun one, a really interesting one, and I try and tell our people this when I get a chance. It's a great story. Is I had a lady who we were mostly dealing with her. Her husband didn't wasn't I don't know wasn't the decision maker on the job and she just had a lot going on in her life. We found out like, I think like her dad was dying and I don't know, she might've been dealing with some health issues. And, but anyways, it made her a terrible customer, which, you know, it's understandable to have those problems, but you know, we, de it was, we definitely felt the brunt. So what ended up happening was she kept thinking that there was one of her skylights was leaking and causing mold in her bathroom. By the way, if you have skylights in your bathroom, they're awesome, but they're a bad idea because they condensate. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta have some kind of way to ventilate it anyways. So, and there had been a bunch of prior mold. So basically she blamed us for all these things and basically just kept us wanting us to do more and more work. So she was never satisfied. She wanted, we basically ended up redoing her bathroom. So not only there's the roof, the cost of the roof, and then the whole cost of remodeling her bathroom, but the whole time, I mean, she was abusive verbally, you know, to the guy who was doing it and things like that. And he was doing a great job and abusive to all, all the people I sent there. Mm. So I FedExed her a check for, because she had actually paid some of the roof already. I FedExed all the money she had paid with a letter just explaining that, you know, you sound like you need this money more than I do. And I can't let my people take this kind of abuse. And uh, the next day I get a call, she's in tears. She's like, I can't believe you would do this. So, you know, whatever I can't, whatever. I mean, she was upset basically because I, she had no power over me because yeah. I didn't care about the money and it's very yeah. liberating. So, I mean, as much as it hurts, it was like, it's probably the best $10,000 I've ever spent. I mean, it's just very, no power. And then I just told her, I was like, look, I, I get that you're going through all these things. You know, I'm not upset at you. Like I, I get, I just, you know, you're going to have to find somebody who you trust. Otherwise you're going to be miserable and you don't trust us. And I can't do anything about that anymore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, trust is efficient. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we approach it is like, if, if we can't regain somebody's trust, yeah. then we just let it go. I mean, you, you're going to have, you literally need to go find somebody else so that 
you'll have a better life. And so will I. <laughs> yeah. One of our tenants is a trust is just, the, it's the highest form of currency and, you know, to work under a non-trusting environment, there's no amount. Yeah. You know, there's no amount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can endure, but is it worth it? No, it's the, the so, yeah, yeah. wow. And that's an amazing, obviously not blind trust, but like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. There, there has to be, you have to find a way to trust meaning you do your homework, do whatever, you know, whatever, and then trust. Yeah. Hey, I am sure you are enjoying this conversation with Mark McShirley of Bruce Simple. And, you know, Mark doesn't have any marketing materials or things to give away like some of our guests. What I'd like you to do rather is go ahead over to roofsimple.com and just take a look at how they do things. If you're somebody that can observe really good marketing and really good branding, I think you're going to appreciate the way they go about it. As you're learning, Mark and his company are quite contrarian. And some of the cool ways that they are contrarian are right there in front of you. And so go take a look, roofsimple.com. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Mark, so one of the things we like to talk about when we talk about stories is you, we kind of look at a business and we, you know, if we were to turn it into a Netflix special or category, mm-hmm. you know, you know, romantic comedy, thriller, you know, sci-fi, supernatural. You've you already told us about the you know, the hard, you know, moving in with the in-laws, the, you know, the hard story is there, is there, is there the most, the funniest story? Is there, is there, is there a head scratcher? Like this was divine intervention. What happened here? You know, anything like that? Interesting, strange, funny, a random funny thing that happened a few months ago. This is totally random. (laughs) (laughs) Random. There was part of a deer carcass on a roof that we inspected <laughs> and it wasn't the sort of house where you would think there would be a deer carcass so just oh my clear, gosh just that was random anyways so we do how, get random it, wait, 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 how did, did you get the story of how the deer got up there did no we didn't know no, aliens? no, no uh, alien aliens. reduction of deer aliens yeah. the deer so this is really down. a sci-fi did the deer jump i mean we could cover <laughs> yeah, it was, a lot it was like of two, genres it was here like two stories Two stories. It was literally like a deer. Yeah, it was like literally like a whole deer leg hawk thing. Yeah. What? And the person wasn't even like a hunter or anything. So there's lots of stories here. Yeah, there's lots going on. That one is a total head scratch. I would say aliens. (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna go with aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Something gotta be. Yeah. Uh, Or 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 a teenage comedy where they're throwing, you know. We actually teenagers around here have this. They go buy fish at the grocery store and throw them on their friend's parents' roof, and they find them <laughs> weeks later. So uh, maybe, maybe uh, so you solved it, Bob. Solved yeah. it. Yeah, it's a mystery. It's a it's Virginia a teenage teenagers. comedy slash mystery. Interesting. So, wow. Uh, get, getting back to simple a little bit, Mark. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear. Like, I, I think this is Brandon and I. I mean, we're, we're, we're actually in the same household, you know, Mm -hmm. usually we're separated by miles. So (laughs) we're actually together. But one of the things we're talking about is have been talking about is simplifying feed stories, you know, Mm -hmm. boiling down, boiling down, boiling, get down to what, what is it that we do being real clear about who our customer is. You've done the same thing with roofing. Can you talk a little bit about the process you went through to like continually simplify roof simple? 
That's a really good question. And it's one that I think about a lot as the <laughs> owner of it. I mean, sometimes I joke to Marty that I'm really always trying to make roof complex on accident, <laughs> obviously. I would say I had a breakthrough recently in the past couple of years, and it's related to the brand, branding and the brand, was that, so a lot of the things that, that I think are the real reasons why you're going to enjoy working with us or feel good about working with us and be happy that you did are things that you're not really going to be able to in a, be in a position to appreciate until you actually work with us. So it's like things like having that one project manager you know, per job. Obviously that can sound good if you tell it to a customer, that's fine, but it doesn't hit home until it happens. I think other things like the, the quality of the people that we have. I mean, obviously if you met with one of our sales guys, I'd definitely get a lot of compliments on our guys and people really enjoy meeting them because they're good people and not people who would normally be in sales, I think, or at least in roofing sales. And then the whole way we do insurance, we've pioneered some actually some pretty sophisticated processes there. Probably don't really want to go into that. That would probably right. be one thing that's more like proprietary, but and and boring, honestly. But good for our customers, good for us. Anyway, so all these all these things, you know, take like two or three pages to describe why it's so great and why you would want this and all that sort of stuff. And so I've, you know, for a while, the longest time it's just trying to find a way to distill all that stuff into one sentence. And then I realized this whole idea of don't compete and what's what's the what is the perception of me in the marketplace is that, that's going to like, how, how are people going to remember me and, and use, you know, remember the company and, and, and call us or look us up or whatever it is. And that's, that's what led to the, we do roofs slogan thing that we've just been really digging into. And since we've done that, like we have a little TV ad, it's a 15 second spot. And all it is, is you see, the word roof come up, there's like a little background track and the roof roof comes up and there's a definition and then simple comes up and there's a definition and then they come together. It says roof simple, it's what we do and how we serve you. Boom, done. It's a little 15 second spot. It's just on that black background with our logo. Oh, the only funny, there's a funny thing, which is too super cheesy, but very memorable is there's our logo is the word roofs, roof simple. So it's a, as one word with a small S. So roof simple as one word. And then the two O's have a smiley face underneath. And so in the, in the, in the ad, the two O's wink at the same time. It's not one eye. Cause that'd be a little flirty, but it's two eyes. <laughs> wink, and then, then there's the smile. So anyways, it's really a memorable. Flirty. A little flirty. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. how I am. So what can I you say? You are. Yeah. I can feel it. Yeah. 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 Especially yeah. we had a moment there when we had paps, <laughs> you know, Oh, you that know, was flirty. Kind of checking me out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so Mark, are you contrarian by nature or do you just fall into that? Because you you skimmed over this, but it's kind of a key point is you hire salespeople for Roof Simple that aren't salespeople. All right. That's not normal. That's contrarian. Do you do? Yeah. Is that purposeful? Like, do you do that just because, oh, we want to do things different or, or do you see something deeper in that? So just to quibble a tiny bit, I would say some of the people are like, natural born salespeople in, in the deeper sense. So I'm not hiring people that have a hard time, like a really hard time selling, meaning right. like they would never want to sell. But I, I am hiring people who would never, ever feel comfortable selling something they didn't believe in, mm, which is okay. often seen as maybe they're not a salesperson, right? We often think of the salesperson as the somebody who will sell whatever, ice to Eskimos and all that crap. Yeah. I mean, um, are, are you out poaching other roofing <laughs> companies for their salespeople? No, uh, no. I actually not at all, but ironically, 
word has gotten out about our culture this year and we've had some people coming to us. So that's been a little interesting. Sometimes they have bad habits, but usually they can be they can be turned around if they're really interested. So we've so part of the distillation of Roof Simple has been so like our our purpose or whatever uh, as I articulate it currently is to help our people live a family-centered lifestyle through honest work with good coworkers. Mm. And and sort of our three main core values would be family first, we say give a shit, <laughs> so care. Yeah. And then we're roofers, we can say, we can say things like shit, right? Like I can Yeah, yes. you can. Okay, yeah. I'm just yes. yeah, this podcast. Yeah, we're we're just we're just poor roofers. Yeah. So you could even give escalate yeah. that to the yeah. F if you choose. Well, in our in our language we say give a shit. I like the word yeah. shit. It's good. No. Mirrored, you know, whatever. And then and then the third one is do the right thing. And and so I guess just going back to this whole salesperson thing is that people who, what I, what we're finding and what I'm really excited about, right? Like you had asked what I'm excited about right now. So this is part of the don't compete. And part of what's really exciting right now is that salespeople, like, I feel like we're pioneering a new kind of sales culture because we're, we're kind of rethinking it. So one of the things we're rethinking is whenever you try and squeeze every last drop out of the orange, you know, it's a kind of a painful process that lasts, those last few drips cost you everything. And so basically most sales cultures, it's like really high performance, right? Like, you, and, and we do want performance, trust me. That's actually one of the key ingredients here, but I'd rather see consistent discipline performance than like trying to, you know, like 60 hour work weeks, all that sort of stuff. So the family centered lifestyle thing that we're starting, and this kind of, you know, we to, we're going to be doing a video with you guys. That's one of the, part of my homework, right, Brandon? Yes. Yes. I was, was to be thinking about this. And so this, this is actually some of the things that we'll be talking about when we do that. But the family centered lifestyle, I think, is the thing that's kind of started to come together for me because it's an observation of what's been happening. So, like, I think, like, what I've seen is these guys come in. And honestly, most of them are guys because of the type of work and safety and stuff. We're very well open to the ladies though, because if you're women do really well in this job, but knocking doors, sometimes a safety concern. Sure. Anyways, skipping over that, a lot of these guys, you know, they're paying off college debt. You know, this is their first six figure job. They're, you know, anybody who stays with us a year is making six figures plus. Um, nice. And they're, you know, buying their first houses, starting families. And, you know, like one of, one of the guys, he just had a kid two weeks ago, you know, he'd been doing so well that, you know, he took three weeks off to be with his wife and his new kid. And I'm cool with that. And he's cool with that. Nobody's breathing down his neck, being an asshole. And we've had lots of things like that. So it's like, yeah, you need to perform. So, so, so the whole idea behind family first is not that you just are lazy and stay home all day like I do, right. but, but that right. you, that you are, you know, providing, mm. providing and being present. Like it's sort of that both and like, and this, and it, it's working. So here's the irony is like, our guys are, are making really good money. And, and right now we just had some storms. So they're definitely doing some busier weeks right now because there's a little bit of make hay when the sun is shining, you know, because they want to build up their pipelines. But on average, they're typically working 20 to 40 hours a week on any given week. And there's a lot of flexibility, you know, so they can, you know, go on their, you know, prenatal visits with their wife and, you know, all kinds of things that just a lot of us aren't able to do unless we have that kind of flexibility. So I'm really, 
I'm excited about the potential for families too, when you have an ability to, you know, provide and make a good living while at the same time being able to be present. Cause I think the presence is a big thing. And, and it should be noted that you've kind of, this has been part of your culture before the pandemic, which, oh, yeah. you know, what we're experiencing now post pandemic is the culture of work is shifting, right? Mm-hmm. There's a greater emphasis on flexibility and values and, and things. It's no longer about, Hey, you got to put your 40 hours in, come hell or high water. Right. And you, you, you get your two weeks of vacation and you're going to get sick days, but if you use them, you know, you're going to get looked at sideways, but people, you know, they called it the great resignation, but what actually uh-huh. is happening is people are shifting to companies who have embraced this type of culture mm-hmm. where you're being rewarded for you're still productivity is demanded, but the method of productivity and the way you go about it is not dictated as much and there's a, and and there's a realization that you have another life and you have other interests uh-huh. and and work is part of that. So you you kind of like maybe did you start this revolution, Mark? I don't know. Was it maybe? It, yeah, maybe it was I, I, and then I started the pandemic just so I could hire more people. Right there, so, you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, don't believe any other conspiracy theory. I was there. You know, it's not the China virus. It's the Mark virus. It's the Mark Mark virus. I just needed some good people to work for me. So no, it's definitely played to my favor. I agree with that. But yeah, we had already been involved with that. And that's because Marty and I are, I mean, Marty would be more the workaholic out of the two of us, but he's still very much a family man. I mean, he just like, he's your classic contract. He just likes to keep busy, build something. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the luxuries of being an owner is that he actually gets to renovate our new building we bought. And I keep <laughs> telling him, it's like, dude, we can hire some subcontractors here and get this thing done. And, you know, he has excuses, but he's having fun. And yeah, but I mean, like he's got seven kids as well. <laughs> I have seven kids. I mean, Good you know, God, you can't, you can't, See, I know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you get, know exactly you get, what you're doing. <laughs> you give people all this time, free time, and they, and they fill it with, They're you know, freaking populate in the world. <laughs> yeah. That's or at least Northern Virginia. <laughs> Jeez. You guys play checkers or anything? No, they're God. drinking wine. Watch a show. They're drinking wine and making babies. That's, hey, yeah, out of that's the bedroom for a while. Hey. Would you? Uh, it's so fun. <laughs> I, I know we're, we're, we're kind of bumping God. up against the against um, our hour mark. I do want to Brandon's got a good question, but I, I do want to ask you something. You've alluded to this. So as an owner, like what do you spend your day doing versus maybe what other owners do? Because I, I think you have a little bit of different routine than some others. Yeah. So honestly, I'm always a little bit insecure and worried that I don't know what it means to be a CEO, I think, because <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've only grown with the company, you know, I didn't come from another, like the, the, even though I was a general manager at another company, I mean, we passed up their gross revenue, you know, a couple of years ago. So this is the, each year I'm running the biggest company I've ever run. I would say, I mean, what I'm, so what I say right now is that I spend my time thinking about culture, brand, and cash and trying to act on those things. Those are my core responsibilities. Marty is also co-responsible for culture. And then he's also responsible for the insurance and construction expertise. He's also the one who is, he's always sniffing out opportunity. Like he's the one who got us into insurance and whatever. And was like, Hey, we can remake this, you know, 
and, and do it our way, you know, because it's such a scuzzy industry. And then, you know, he sniffed out different states we've, we've moved to and things like that. And he's really good nose for opportunity. But yeah, I spend most of my, t- so I'm, you know, when I say brand, it's really the strategy. So culture, brand slash strategy and cash. Um, well, you spend and- a lot of time. I mean, you're probably one other than Perry, you probably read more than all my friends. <laughs> and I, I start you, you, a lot of books and read okay. titles of a lot of books. <laughs> okay. And then you're also doing a lot of art. Don't you Glad somebody do art too? Here. Yeah. So actually with my brother, so my brother's the one renovating my house and, and the cottage over there, we've actually been having a blast doing the interiors. So I'll have to get you shots when I have it all done and staged. So we might do some more projects together actually, because we've been, uh, Here we go. This, this whole pot, we're not even recording this, Mark. This is just a ruse to get more money. <laughs> Thank <out>. God. <laughs> have your credit card. It worked, Bob. It worked. Wait, is this live? Really took us. Yeah. 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 yeah don't yeah. worry. It's on the pipeline. Yeah. So <laughs> not. It's not a business that we would look to make large, but it's a business I'd look to like involve my kids in a little bit in terms of you know creative. My wife's creative too, and very. She's like, it's really fun, actually. So my younger brother got married. He's 10 years younger than me. He got married last year. The babe, Their first baby's on the way, you know, on okay. schedule here. Started late, but they'll catch yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's going to be a race uh, to how many you can pop out in the next yeah, 20 years. He's great. He's got to try and catch up. Yeah. Good Lord. But he's 10 years younger than me. So he, he's got he's got time on his side. But yeah. Anyway, oh, sure. His, wife, his wife's thrilled. <laughs> yeah, she's super talented. Stay she's pregnant got, for 10 years. Maybe we could beat the McShirley's at their own game. <laughs> Jeez. my brother's wife is hilarious though because she is she's a really good artist she yeah sings she's cute she hunts and like guts oh. deer and she also her dad is a painting contractor like a really yeah. like did fine houses up in new jersey and so she's super good so like she's been whatever she's like nine months pregnant she's been out here painting the house working with my brother they're hilarious it's awesome so yeah so that's been really fun it's and exciting and rewarding and 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 all all four of us are creative and work well together and so yeah we might do some more projects i think and it'd be fun so do you have a crystal ball mark or, yep. or some predictions. Yeah, you do. Yes. Come on. Yeah, you do. Yes, I do. You drink enough paps, it comes out. <laughs> do you have any kind of a crystal ball of, is it, it, it can be around the future of the industry, but I think you've got even a bigger perspective on the future of business and all of the, the things that the world has experienced in the last couple of years. Any kind of predictions, any kind of crystal ball things that well, you're, I know you're the, a thinker. Yeah. The first thing I would say is that I think thinking we can know the future is a terrible mistake. And I'm really with, there's a really good investor called Howard Marks. He has a really good book called The Most Important Thing. And another really good book called Market Cycles. And I think he says it best when he just says, we can't know the future. But I will say, but he also says something else very interesting, which is sort of this idea of we can look at the future as a range of options. So we can sort of negotiate with the future, I feel like. Mm. you know. So like I've heard it said that in a negotiation, the one with the most options wins. And so it, I kind of look at risk management and things like that as trying to have multiple ways that something could go well. Okay. Mm. Or, or not so badly if it goes badly. So I, with the roofing industry in general, I pray every day for more climate change. And <laughs> so far the Lord is just giving. And oh. so I do think there's going to be a lot more. It's already, it's a fast growing industry right now. People are jumping into it every which way you turn. It seems like somebody's involved with 
the storm insurance roofing thing, mm. especially in certain areas. But I think it's going to get a lot more sophisticated. For a long time, it was sort of like, well, if you just knew this little special thing that, that there was insurance and you could get them to pay for your new roof because that's part of your policy, who, who knew? Uh, in a lot of areas, you know, for a long time, that was sort of you know, it was only the cowboys who kind of went after it. And I like cowboys. I'm using it derogatory, but I like cowboys. <laughs> yeah. And I, the future is going to actually going to return to consumers have plenty of information, tons of options. Everybody's in this industry. So right now I'm just trying to hold on tight and amass the reputation and brand to land on top. So we've we have innovated the sophistication and people are starting to copy us a little bit on the sophistication side and the legal side and things like that. And I think that'll continue to happen. I don't see it as a core competitive advantage. I think the reputation and the recognition are the long-term competitive advantage because it's just going to go back to everything like it always does, which is, you know, now I know now the consumer understands the insurance game and what do they want? They want all the same things they've always wanted. They want honest service, decent prices, you know, people to keep their promises, people to tell the truth, you know, who knew it's going to be the same thing it is today on the farther future. Somebody was just asking me about technological innovations in my space. We already have like 3d imaging. So you can see your house and measure things and drones and all that sort of stuff. That's all cool and whatever for what it's worth. And we use those things. But I think the next one is really going to be probably robotics because that would enable, you could have robotic installations. I think though, wow. that's that's going to be further off because you do have to, like Elon Musk says, the great that, that you have to solve real world AI first because roofing is not it's not like a factory. So you would need very humanoid robots in order to do that well. So eventually I'll own an army of robots that do roofing. Excellent. Well, people will still want people to that tell the truth and back up their service and do all that sort of thing. So that's what I'm not worried about what I'm investing in. And then business world in future, I guess I would say I'm always surprised at how little things change. Like, I mean, God, I can't tell you like some of these sales cultures that exist, they're literally like Wolf of Wall Street and it's 2022. Like, like how is this still a thing? Like it <laughs> never ceases to amaze me, but it is. But I think you're right though. That I mean, it's, people are coming from those places or looking to come from those places and talk to us about our more family-centered lifestyle culture and things like that. But so I, I think we're on the right side of history if you were to say it that way. But I think uh, I, here's here's the funny thing. I've been seeing more and more that investing in the face-to-face and like offline advertising, for instance, Yeah. nobody else copy me. It's amazing. Like we pay almost nothing for local radio ads, almost nothing for local TV, almost nothing for these billboards because we're in these outer areas and it works really well. Interesting. So, That's how Priceline got started, buying very cheap, inexpensive local radio ads and hiring Shatner, who was out of work. I guess at the time and got his famous voice on and blew up price price line. Let's make sure. Let's just make sure that our podcast is blacked out in Northern Virginia. (laughs) Nobody else copy me. Well, if you don't compete with me, you can do it too. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and most people wouldn't compete with me because yeah, there is, yeah, you have to somehow be okay with looking different, even when with the risk you might not, turn out well. Hey guys, this has been fun. So I can actually keep going if you want. Actually, it's up to you. Let's do one more and and call it. Mark, yeah. we like to do something we like to call the 60 second rant or okay. soapbox. 
So oh, this wow. is this gives you a minute to you can rant, you can soapbox about anything you want. It doesn't have to be business, doesn't have to be your business, it can be anything. Something you deeply believe in or drives you crazy or just something that you want to express. And go. Okay. Well, since I've been remodeling my own house, I actually have formed a lot of opinions on what you? I would consider no, I beauty. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But please. Surprise, continue. surprise. I was thinking and developing opinions. So I think that in the art, in the art world, in the creative world, in the creative areas, like high-end interior design, art, I went to fine art at the high level. I would say we live in a time where there's too much self-reference. It's very narcissistic and it hates itself and it hates its, the culture it came from. And I would say that, that I think what's really interesting and is that most people are actually, I think this, I have faith in the masses actually in a weird way, not the fringes. They're all naughty <laughs> people, but, but in the masses, because I think most people don't like ugly buildings, ugly art, and they, they maybe feel like maybe they're unsophisticated because they don't understand it. And granted that I think to all great aesthetic experiences, more knowledge and things like that helps you understand certain things and appreciate them better. But I think what it comes down to is that for our buildings and for our art, if we, if we were more, if we were less self-referencing and more just genuinely excited about making something cool or beautiful, I think the result can be really nice and you just embrace your constraints and then try and make those things nice. And I think here's another thing. This is actually really part of this and part of the business side too, is that you can't achieve originality or happiness directly. Those are things that can only be achieved indirectly. And I think a lot of people are learning that about happiness, but with originality, it's just the sum of our responses to our constraints. And each one of us has unique constraints. We might, we could have the same budget, but different tastes or different locations or, you know, who, who knows what it is, but each of us are unique people. And I think we should in line with that, whether you're in the creative world or the business world, I think we often undervalue the contribution, the unique contribution that we can bring. And we might have deep insecurity about that. And that's why we compete out of envy and fear to just try and do what somebody else is doing because it feels safe or what other people are already doing, that sort of thing. But I think we should avoid that where possible and you know, just have fun making whatever little corner you have, maybe slightly better. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, that would be my rant. Well, love listeners, it. I think you've got a little bit of a taste. What sitting down, having a couple glasses <laughs> of wine and dinner with Mark McShirley has been all about. So you're going to listen to this podcast and go, wow, I have some things to think about. And that's what it's yeah. like to have dinner with Mark. And yes. that's why we wanted to have him on the show. Yeah. Mark, you're easily one of the favorite people that in my life to spend time with. I know we haven't been together since the pandemic, but looking forward to seeing you in Chicago. Um, Really, really just enjoy spending time with you. Um, Always enlightening, always fun. There's always laughs. There's always deep thinking and just appreciate you taking time out of your day to share yourself with our listeners. And I'm sure they're going to really enjoy this. So appreciate you. And no problem. Of course I would. I love it. Cool. Any excuse to hang out with you guys. (laughs) Awesome. And we're looking forward to seeing you in a couple months. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it, Mark. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, guys. 
Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. A show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.